Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is the biopharma supply chain with my friend, Joel Wayman. Joel is the Vice President of Operations at Cardinal Health Third-Party Logistics. I think most of us, when we hear Cardinal Health, think of the healthcare organization. They also have a 3PL. When it comes to the biopharma supply chain, the bar is higher because the product being shipped is potentially a life-saving treatment for someone. Joel and his team at Cardinal Health Third-Party Logistics specialize in the biopharma supply chain, to learn more, check out my conversation with Joel Wayman. How's it going, Joel? Good, Joe. How are you doing? Doing great, Joel. I'm excited to talk to you about this topic. Please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. You bet. Thanks, Joe. So my name is Joel Wayman, and I am the Vice President of Operations for Cardinal Health's third-party logistics company. I'm calling today from Nashville, Tennessee, the 3 PLS headquartered just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yep. So I think everybody who's driving around or searching through the internet has at some point run across Cardinal Health. So what does Cardinal Health do, the main company? Yes, Cardinal Health, it's a large organization that does a lot of different things, right? I think most people know Cardinal Health as a wholesale distributor of you know pharmaceutical products or medical devices. But there are a lot of different companies within Cardinal Health that do a lot of different things. And we're one entity with inside Cardinal Health. And what we do is we're a third-party logistics manufacturer that supports biopharmaceutical companies and helping to get their products after FDA approval to their customers, whether that be wholesalers or special distributors or especially pharmacies or the hospitals or retail pharmacies. We play a role to help those manufacturers get the products to where they need to go. That's super important because the, what we talked before we hit record is the when we say 3PL, not all 3PLs are the same. Some are freight brokers, nothing against any of those guys. Some are warehousing companies. They all have their area of specialization, but the specialization of health or biopharma in this case is the bar is higher in that. Yeah. It's interesting, Joe, because here at, at Cardinal Health 3PL, we spend a lot of time talking about what's in the box. It's, we're not just shipping the latest Nike shoes. We're not shipping the latest pants or jeans or whatnot, but it's we're shipping life-saving medications that change people's lives every day. It's making people's lives better and their families. And so it's critical in knowing that what we do and why we do it. And so the bar is higher, right? So the level of processes, the systems, the structures that we have are a little bit different because we've got to be mindful of the types of products that we're supporting. Yep. So when I say pharma, I understand pharma. That's like pharmaceutical. Then I put bio in front of it. Biopharma, does that mean a biologic? Like what? describe what a biopharma is. Yeah, this is. these are manufacturers that have new and emerging products that are coming out to support the various therapies that, that maybe are not being addressed in the market today. So this could be rare, ultra-rare drugs, orphan drugs. This could be cell and gene therapies, but it could also be just other products that have unmet needs in the market. And so it tends to be smaller to emerging manufacturers that are coming to market with their first product that they're commercializing. And so they come to you guys because obviously you understand the space because you are 
in that. Your parent company is in the, the health space. And uh, yeah, again, the, the bar is much higher in this. So who do you typically serve? Who's your typical customer, your sweet spot? Yeah, it, it's going to be your small to midsize emerging biopharma manufacturer, right? So it's somebody that's coming to market with their first drug, or they might have just a small portfolio of, of products that they're coming to market with. So these are specialized products. A lot of times we refer to them as specialty products, but spe- the term specialty has evolved over the years. So it's really products that are serving smaller patient populations. Um, it could be specialized products that require unique handling, whether that's refrigerated, cold chain, frozen, deep frozen, or even cryogenic type uh, storage requirements. What problems are you solving for them? So I understand what a 3PL is, but are you actually doing warehouses and transportation? Yeah, no. So we do uh, warehousing of the products. So we store the finished goods, but then we also do all the order to cash. So when the customers are placing orders, we're the ones that are processing those orders, fulfilling those orders. We're invoicing the customers, collecting on the cash for the manufacturers, and then the logistics, right? So the transportation side. So we're handling the movement of the product from our facility to the end customer. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, it, it, and this is, comes up so often these days is if you're a newer company and you say, hey, our expertise is in biopharma and we've developed this great drug or this vaccine or whatever it might be, you're not in the 3PL business. You are not in the transportation business. You don't have that expertise. And I guess you can always go buy it. But if you're a smaller company, where do you want to spend your money? On your core or developing expertise in something that somebody else already has, like Cardinal Health? No, exactly. And that's why we exist is, is to help manufacturers so they don't have to go and invest in all those things, whether it's facilities and structures and logistics, they can outsource that to a 3PL that knows that space very well. Let's come back to all that in a minute. Joel, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you join the juggernaut that is Cardinal Health. Yeah, no. So I joined Cardinal Health about 18 years ago. But prior to joining Cardinal Health, I worked for another company that was not in the pharmaceutical vein, but it was really focused on outsourcing type services. So similar to what we do as a 3PL, right? But but I grew up out West in Utah. That's where I, I spent most of my life. But then about 19 years ago, I took an opportunity and relocated to Nashville, Tennessee. And shortly thereafter was had an opportunity to come to Cardinal and be a part of the 3PL organization. And so I've been with the 3PL and Cardinal Health for the past 18 years. I was surprised you said that because I would have guessed you started that in the last five years because that's when it feels like 3PLs really took off. But you guys have been doing it a long time. Well, we have, yeah. So in fact, Cardinal Health 3PL we've has actually existed for the past 25 plus years. So we've been doing it for quite some time. And I've been lucky enough to be a part of that for the past 18 years. I'm sorry, I interrupted you when you say you were, what you studied at school and where you went. Yeah, no. So while I was out West in Utah, I attended Utah State University. And my focus there was on business, general business and administration from that perspective. Very nice. Very nice. So let's get back to the biopharma supply chain. So the first thing I want to talk about, we talked a little bit about before we hit record, is how the bar is much higher on the stuff. When somebody says, I do biopharma, and I, I went out and I wanted to talk to a whole bunch of 3PLs, I think they're going to quickly learn that not all 3PLs are even capable of doing this kind of work. So talk about some of the requirements 
that you guys have met that probably most others say, no, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, and you're right, Joe, in this space, obviously with the types of products that we're dealing with, right, there's a lot of requirements that you've got to meet because of the, the sensitive and unique nature of these products. And so just from state licensure that you have to have, so you have to have applicable licenses in all the states that you're distributing products into. And then there's additional certifications that are above and beyond what's required. So as a 3PL, and because we are highly focused on the quality of work that we do, recognizing the products we support, we've also went out and obtained additional certifications like ISO certifications. And really for those that aren't familiar with ISO, ISO is has various standards for things, whether it's safety, environmental impact, or it's when it comes to you know what you're doing with waste and whether you're recycling or whether or just your processes in general. And making sure that you have processes that are sound that deliver the right outcomes every time. And so we went through those ISO certifications to ensure that our processes would meet the right outcomes each and every time. And so those are things that you don't see in a lot of 3PLs. Some 3PLs have them, but not all 3PLs have those. And then on top of that, we've also gone through like TSA certification, right? So when you think about TSA, much like the airport, the TSA, right? But TSA certifications enable us to move freight on commercial airlines in situations that need it, but it enables it so that it doesn't have to go through and get screened again. Boxes don't get opened up, which could potentially- You're on the short line. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it makes it so that product doesn't get damaged in transit. It reduces the risk, it reduces exposure, and, in, and it maintains the integrity of the product in transit. Yeah. And by the way, there's a 3PL that could be listening today and say, hey, we're going to go and do that. And this is not something you get overnight. And I would also suspect that this was in the DNA. You guys are Cardinal Health first. Before you started the 3PL, you were already a health company. So this, again, this is, you talk about culture, but when you're working in this kind of environment, you have to develop a culture of risk avoidance. (laughs) And no, absolutely. I'm from a manufacturing and engineering background. And that's all you talk about is how do we avoid risk and risk? And it, it, you almost sound like you're paranoid, but that's how you have to be in this space because um, people act as if their delivery of tennis shoes is life and death, but it's not, but your product, it is life and death. That's just the nature of being in this space. Right. And that's why, like I said, Joe, we, we spent a lot of time on the culture side with our employees, helping them understand that what they're picking and packing and shipping today is going to change the life of somebody tomorrow. Now, I know that my teenage son may think that the latest pair of Nike shoes that come to him are life changing, but that's not life changing. And so it, it's exciting to be a part of an organization that I know when I go home tonight, that someone's life and someone's family is going to be better tomorrow because of what we did today. Yep. Yep. And and, and by the way, I think we learned during the pandemic, all of us became all of a sudden aware of supply chains. And I think we all became very aware of how it's called health supply chains, whether it was the pharmaceuticals or the vaccines or PPE, anything in that space, we realized we had some challenges. And we started realizing, oh, we outsourced all of our PPE to China. Maybe that was not the best strategic decision. So I think a lot of us are rethinking how we manage our 
supply chains here in the United States, especially related to medical. And by the way, um, I talked to some of the guys from the University of Arkansas about medical supply chain, and they said it's weird because a lot of the hospitals are still, and by, I guess doctors and clinics buy from distributors. So they aren't buying necessarily direct from the manufacturers, which is a little different supply chain. And again, it evolved the way it evolved. But I think we're rethinking now how we do things. And I guess, again, Cardinal Health being already in that space understands how it should be done because we're going to see a lot of evolution. I'm one of the youngest baby boomers. And as we get older, we're going to need lots of help. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't take care of ourselves in our youth. <laughs> We're there to help you, Joe. Yep. So the next thing I want to talk to you about, we talked about it before we hit record, is mitigating disruptions. And you pointed out that we're almost at winter. By the way, there is snow on the ground in Michigan. Look it up, Joel. You'll Maybe you remember snow from when you lived in Utah. It's this white, cold stuff that's on the ground. <laughs> And it causes lots of problems this time of year. And we can't have disruptions impact the supply chain. So talk about what you guys are doing to mitigate some of that. Yeah, and you're right, Joe. I mean, it's, I don't think it's any secret, right, to our listeners that there are more weather events occurring than maybe we've seen in the past. So whether that's snow as we get in closer to the winter, but that means more ice storms, there could be tornadoes and hurricanes. And we have to remember, as a 3PL, we're moving product across the entire United States and in some cases outside the United States. So it's not always just about the weather where we are locally, but it's also where the product's going that we got to be mindful of. And so we do a lot of work around how to make sure we're mitigating the disruptions that are happening. And one of the first things I think you have to do to do that is you've got to be monitoring what's happening across the U.S. You need to understand what disruptions may be occurring in other parts of the country so that you can manage shipments appropriately to where it's going. So an example of that is, let's say you have a a cold chain shipment, something that you put in a cooler, and that cooler is good for 48 hours. But if you've got to ship it somewhere that's experiencing a disruption, and that means there could be a delay in that package getting to its destination within the 48 hours, now the product's ruined. Now the product's bad and can't be used. And so you've got to be mindful of what's going on across the United States, and then working with your manufacturer partners on options of how to mitigate those things. And that might be, hey, we see a storm system that's coming up. Maybe we need to get ahead of it. Maybe there's an opportunity to get product into the channel faster versus later. Maybe make sure to have a good understanding of your partners and, and that you're shipping to and how much inventory they're holding at any given time. And in some cases, if you're going to wholesalers, they might be holding seven to 14 days of inventory at any time. So if you have a snowstorm that's going to be a day or two, that's going to be okay because your channel partners have sufficient inventory. But if you're shipping directly to a hospital system, they may not carry that much inventory. And so you need to look at solutions around how to make sure you, you can move product throughout the supply chain during a disruption. And believe it or not, we tend to think of disruptions about weather, but when somebody wins the Super Bowl, when somebody wins an event in that town or that city where that occurred, there's a big disruption in trying to get packages into a location. Huh. Yeah. But yeah. And by the way, I think we used to, not so many generations ago, a generation ago, we had 
short supply chains. We did not do business with Mexico when I was a kid, not in a big way. We didn't do business with Asia. Now we're very dependent on, now not everything in the biopharma supply chain is coming from that, but I suspect you get certain things shipped from China. So that is a very long supply chain that could be impacted by God knows how many weather systems along the way. And we did, we did experience that our supply chains worked during the pandemic, but we found certain supply chains were a little brittle. And again, this is life and death. Not getting my running shoes, not getting my new sweater is okay. Not getting my life-saving drugs, that is a problem. Right. So you guys are working at a different level when it comes to mitigating disruptions. We'll call resiliency. We hear that a lot, but again, I think we all know what we mean. It's the opposite of the brittle that we saw during the pandemic where people were saying, I'll pay anything for a pallet and I'll pay anything for some storage space on the West Coast. And I'll tell you, Joe, one of the things that we did that I felt was pretty critical in in helping to mitigate some supply chain disruptions, but improve the movement of product, these critical products. You talked about the bar being higher, right? We want to make sure that when the product's moving through the supply chain, it's doing so in an efficient and safe manner. And so one thing we identified several years ago was a lot of the products or a lot of the shipments that we were doing were going to similar destinations, whether that's going to the same wholesalers or same special distributors or hospitals. And so we developed a unique transportation solution that really consolidates freight that we're shipping across multiple manufacturer partners going to the same destinations. Now, why that was important is if you think about the traditional supply chain today, is that I have a package, I'm going to turn it over to a common carrier, whether that's FedEx, whether that's UPS or some other means. When it leaves our facility, it's going to go to a hub and it's going to get sorted at a hub and then it's going to get put onto another, whether it's another truck or a plane to go to the next destination point. Once it gets to the next destination point, it's going to go through some more sorts. And then it's going to make its way out for delivery, whether it's on the little brown truck or white truck or whatever it may be. And the reality of it is, the more times that product is touched in the supply chain, the more times there's risk for something to happen. And so we wanted to eliminate all the third-party touches that were taking place in moving these critical products through the supply chain. So we developed a solution to consolidate freight, and then we developed kind of these milk runs network across the United States so that when product leaves our facility, it's one touch onto the truck and it doesn't get touched again until your customer pulls it off the truck. So now you're eliminating all the third-party touches that are occurring. Now, the benefit of that is, is that now you, you've reduced the chance for shortages, damages, lost product in transit. And these, this network is a cold chain network as well. So now if you're a manufacturer partner that, of ours that has a cold chain product, you don't need to pack it out in coolers and jails and things that may only last for 48 hours. You can put it on a cold chain truck. And if there is a disruption or a delay in transit, it's being protected the entire time. So you, you have greater yes. assurances for the quality of the product and the safety of the product getting to its destination. Yeah, I love that because, again, extra touches, there is more chance for damage. There is more chance for it getting lost. There is more opportunity for a pest, whether it's insects or right. something else. And God forbid, there's also crazy people in the world who want to do harm. And when you keep it the entire time within your own, within the, within your own supply chain, within the Cardinal health supply chain, 
you don't have to deal with that. And by the way, we've all seen the cop shows. I always use the cop shows as an example. They always talk about the chain of custody. We have a chain of custody when it comes to the goods that we move. And we don't think too much about it. Um, and it doesn't matter unless you're talking food or drugs. The FDA has a much higher expectation when you're moving food or drugs or biopharma in this case. And they expect that you will not let it get tampered with, and that you will know where it's at every minute of every day, and it's in a secure place. So when you bring it through a third party, you're in trouble. <laughs> and what's unique about this network that we built, to your point, Joe, around security is that we designed these milk runs and these routes such that we always use team drivers and they always have to be at the truck 100% of the time. They can't leave it unattended. They can't stop at a rest stop and, and go and get lunch together, whatever the case may be, and leave the truck unattended so there could be potential risk, right? Potential theft or, or a truck to be stolen or to be tampered with. So one, we start with team drivers, but then we also fence the routes that they're going to take. So that way we know if they somehow deviate from the route they're supposed to take, we're notified immediately. We know that something has gone wrong that shouldn't have gone wrong. And then we've partnered with really strong carriers in this space to ensure that there's the right type of technology to intervene when something comes up. So an example, if, if for some reason we identified that one of our, our trucks, and I say our trucks, it's not, it's not carnal owned assets or trucks that they have, but it's partners that we're working with. But if we deem that one of those trucks are off route or there's something going on, they have the ability to remote in and shut that truck down. So we made sure there's enough security and, and safety built into this model to ensure that the product gets to its destination in the intended form it's supposed to without being tampered, without being touched and mitigating all the risk associated that happens in your normal day-to-day -day supply chain. Yep. And I'm assuming also you guys have the cold chain visibility that if it starts to come out of Correct. the right range that, and again, that's become more and more standard, but not everybody does it the same way. And again, the bar in your case is higher. When you talk about biopharma, sometimes those are, I'm assuming, sometimes there's going to be, they're going to be a medicine that is specific to a certain patient and a certain group. And to create it again is not easy. Again, this literally is life and death and it has to be treated as such. So if it starts to come out of the temperature range, you need to know and you need to mitigate that before it becomes a problem. And I, I know more and more companies are doing that. And I think the FDA expects that for anybody who's moving food at this point. And so drugs are even more important than food. And talk about the visibility and the traceability on this kind of stuff. Yeah. So with this network that we developed, right? So we have the ability to see what the temperature of the product is the entire time it's in transit. We get reports and data when a, a shipment has completed its route. We can see what the temperature is the entire time it was in, in, that, in, in that truck. And so we know that it's arrived at the temperature that it's required to arrive at. But we also have processes and procedures around ensuring that the right seals were attached to the trucks and whether or not those seals were broken and, and were not attached appropriately. So that enables that, like you said, the chain of custody to make sure that the person that's receiving the product can verify and know that once we put it on the truck and sealed the truck, it didn't get touched again until they broke the seal. Yes. And so that really protects it in transit as well. Oh, that's... I was out for a walk the other day and I walked by tractor supply and I found a seal and, um, and I was looking at it. I was like, Ooh, what's going on here? It was not 
it wasn't cut. It was off. And I was thinking, oh, did somebody cheat the system over here? <laughs> so, but super important. And again, I've, we have very inventive thieves these days. So you have to be, you have to have those seals on. And again, it, I, I was talking to somebody not so long ago and they said, and this was related to food. And they said, when they arrived, the truck driver who delivered to that location very often, just to help his buddy out, just cut the seal off and and open the truck. And the company said, what, what happened? They go, oh, I just cut the seal and we're going to open this up. And they said, we can't accept this. You're not allowed to do that. And he was just doing it to be helpful, but it just shows you that this, that I think that was milk. You can't do that. And um, again, this is the whole thing with the bar is higher. I think a lot of the broker 3PL space, and again, this isn't criticism, were driven sometimes by shippers who insist upon, I got to go at the lowest cost. So I'm looking around to find somebody who's $30 cheaper and you can't have that in your space. The bar is just, again, it's the higher bar. We're going to have long-term partners that do a good job. No, there's a balance between cost and quality, right? And you want to make sure that you're providing the right level of quality at the best possible cost that you can. Because cost is a factor and it is important to address, but that's why we're constantly looking at our processes and the requirements and how do we make sure that we're meeting the highest level requirements and standards that are out there, but doing it the most cost-effective and cost-efficient way possible for our partners. And so developing solutions like one I was talking about for the transportation network, one of the things that we discovered was that we actually reduced cost in the supply chain because the process of consolidating freight going to the same destination meant that we could offer the, the transportation at a lower cost than what they might otherwise have to spend. And by reducing the amount of damages or lost product in transit, you reduce overall supply chain costs. And so it actually became a benefit for our manufacturer partners because they were reducing their overall costs, um, but also getting a higher level of quality product in the end. Yep. We all absolutely all need to have, we all have budgets, we all are trying to cut the costs, but there's the right way to cut the cost, which is the consolidation you just talked about. And there is the wrong way to cut costs. And I get the sense we have a lot of, not within your company, but uh, in the wider industry, we've had a lot of freight fraud and double brokering and stuff that I think is we find people cutting corners the wrong way and, and and saving money in a way that's not helpful. I think, as I said, to that point, Joe, I think that's why I know within Cardinal Health, we're incredibly, I want to say picky, but very focused on who we partner with, the, the companies that we utilize and that support us. And so there's qualification processes we go through with all the carriers that we use, whether it's supply material, other things that there's these very kind of rigid standards that have to be met to ensure that we're not just getting the lowest price because someone's cutting corners, but we're getting the best price, but the best service for that price as well. Yeah. And when you're cutting, there's, again, there's a difference between cutting costs because I kept pounding on my carriers until they had to cut corners and consolidating where you said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to save money the right way. We're going to, we're going to save the money with the technology and with insights that we learned about our supply chain. Let's walk through like a uh, case study. You don't have to mention any names, but just to give us a sense. So let's just say there is a biopharma company and they want to work with Cardinal Health 3PL. How does this work? 
Yeah, so essentially once a biopharmaceutical manufacturer is progressing through the clinical testing and trial phases, once they realize that they need to figure out a commercial solution, that's when they begin to engage with third-party logistic partners like Cardinal Health 3PL to help them put together what is that solution to meet the needs, whether that's warehousing support, transportation, order cash services. So they'll engage with companies like ours to begin to put together a plan or a roadmap to get them to the day when they're going to get approved by the FDA and need to begin commercializing their product. And so we'll sit down with them and really understand what's their channel strategy. Who are, the, who are going to be their customers? What's the product storage requirements and handling requirements? Is there anything unique about how to move that product? So whether your product is controlled room temperature, or if it's refrigerated, or if it's frozen or ultra frozen, what are those unique needs? And so I think it's important that as biopharma companies are going through this process, that they look to and work with established partners that have been doing this for a while, but not just doing it, but doing it well. Individuals that understand this space and understand the unique needs that they're going to be faced with as they're coming to market. But also they need a partner that's going to be flexible and nimble and able to shape and create solutions based on some of the unique needs they have versus trying to force them into a box that maybe doesn't work. Yes. And by the way, this is where the don't learn on my dime is really important. You don't want to come to a company that says, tell us your requirements and we'll get started. Yeah, we'll get, we'll go get the ISO and the TSA and we'll learn all the stuff you need us to learn. And uh, yeah, we're, you can trust us. That is the wrong way to go about this. And I, I, you need to go with somebody who says, yes, we work with people like you all the time. And I, w- I would also go one step further. And when I've advised very large companies on how to select three PLs, I always say, Show us a customer that's just like us, that's happy with you. <laughs> and I'm sure Cardinal Health can say, yeah, we'll connect you with somebody. And that's why we talked about earlier on in our discussion today, Joe, is that we've been doing this for the past 25 years. And I would love to tell you that we've seen it all. But the reality of it is, even though I've been doing this myself for the last 18 years with Cardinal Health, there's always something new that pops up. This industry is always evolving and changing. And so you've got to be willing to be flexible, but to sit down and to talk through the challenges and and come up with innovative solutions to meet those challenges. And yes, we do leverage our experience. And there's a lot of that to help manufacturers get to market, but you've got to be in a position to have the right leaders, the right individuals that can sit down to say, let's take that knowledge, but develop a solution that meets the unique needs that you have today. Yep. So once you've understood their unique needs, I guess that's a needs assessment, then what's next? Yeah, then we're really building out the framework and the solution to meet their specific model needs that they have. And so we're going to go through and map that out and build project plans to, to outline what we're going to do to get them up and going so that when they are when they get FDA approval, they're shipping product right thereafter, right? Immediately after. So it's getting product to the marketplace. Because again, we know that these products coming to market in, in many cases are meeting unmet needs. And so we know that there's patients waiting for this product to come to market. So once it gets approved, to be able to get that quickly to market is critical. And so we're going to spend time building kind of the the path forward and the solutions that are needed to get that particular product to the market. Yep. And I will also say this is, again, where these companies are coming from, they don't, I suspect, they don't know what they need. 
So they can't guide you necessarily. You have to guide them and say, here's all the things that you need to get this biopharma product to your customer. And I think this is where, in many cases, you find a 3PL is doing what they're told. The customer says, we already have a very successful warehouse. Now you're going to help us out. You're going to get some over, overflow. Just do this and this. They can guide you. That's not always going to be the case with the biopharma companies that are starting off. And this is that big growth curve for them. There's got to be a big learning curve so that you need to pick a partner who says, yeah, we do this already. You don't have to teach us. We'll teach you. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're subservient to you, but it's, it's, a different, it's a different game. Right. Our role is to be very consultative. Our role is to talk about, hey, here's what we've seen. Here's what we know works. But ultimately, it's a joint partnership and really talking about what's the best solution for them. But you do want a 3PL that you can leverage what they've done, what they've seen in their experience, right? Because I'd like to believe that's why you're picking a 3PL. You're picking them because of their experience and their capabilities, and you want to leverage that versus trying to dictate something that's unique that maybe doesn't work the best way. But you should rely on your 3PL to be very consultative, to help guide you through that process. So you guys give them project planning. You say, this: how long these implementations take? I know, I'm sure they vary, but how long they typically take to get... You know, they, they can vary. Yeah, I'll tell you that it could be three to six months. It could be two years. But a lot of it's depending on the product approval timing, right? They may they may think that they're going to get approved in six months, but it actually may be more 12 months or 18 months. And But the normal process can be anywhere from three to six months is the standard that once we start building out and being ready to support someone with their commercial launch. Yeah. And by the way, I think we have all read different stories about how long FDA approval takes. And we can always bitch, of course, <laughs> that's what we do. But we also don't typically have a whole bunch of bad drugs on the market. And as much as we want people to get that those life-saving drugs, first, we got to do no harm. So if it takes an extra three to six months, we have to live with it. And I guess that's probably something you guys have to live with on a regular basis. <laughs> And we're working with manufacturers prior to their FDA approval, right? So we're building all the components that we need to be ready so that once the FDA says approved, you're shipping commercial product right after. And so you're doing a lot of the work ahead of time. And so we, in some cases, we work with manufacturers a year or more to build out the solution. And in some cases, it might be six weeks. It just depends on their circumstance. But Again, being flexible and nimble and knowing how to support a manufacturer with their unique needs is important. And I would tell you, from my perspective, the more time, the better to plan, but it can happen in a short amount of time. But ideally, you want that six months to really build out the right effective solution. Yep. Now, when you get the, these, the biopharma products, the drugs, whatever they are, and they come to your location, are you taking them and some, taking them out of big boxes, putting them in little boxes and shipping them? How does this work? Is this, I'm assuming there's no small parcel going direct to consumer. Am I wrong to say that? So when we get the finished product, right, we're going to get pallets of product in, but it could be packaged in, obviously in cases, but the manufacturer may sell it in less than case quantities. It really depends on the product and the manufacturer. And we're obviously going to be able to pick and pack whatever the, the unit of measure is that the manufacturer has. But we're not repackaging. We're not relabeling within the 3PL. It's just 
we're taking, and, and it, the order might be a, a case of product, it could be a pallet of product, it could be one unit, it just depends on what the requirements are for that product and for the customer that it's going to. Very nice, very nice. I remember one of the first times I was in a warehouse, somebody said to me, we take things out of this big box and we put them in little boxes and we put labels on and we ship. And he said, that is 90% of our business. <laughs> Big box, little box ship. I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> that, yours is a little more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah, it really depends on who the customer is for the manufacturer. If they're going to wholesaler, we might ship more more pallets and cases. If it's going to hospital, it might be more individual units that we're picking and, and shipping out. So it just really depends on who the end customer is. All right. That's very interesting. And again, I, I love what you guys are doing. And I do feel like we're going to see a lot more drugs delivered to homes. I think that's the future. I also, I've, oh God, during the pandemic, I interviewed a guy who talked about the, the hospital and the home. And there, as John Hopkins and other very well thought of medical facilities are saying that's going to be the future where you check in, but you're at home and the doctors and the nurses, and the techs come to you, which means we'll be shipping drugs, not only to hospitals and phar phar pharmacies, but also to homes. And I keep thinking this is such a growth area, but again, it's the bar is much higher and the kind of the freewheeling 3PL ways we've had it can't work in this space. You have to really, you have to act like a, a health system. And that's why, again, Cardinal Health, it makes sense that you guys are doing this because it's in your DNA to do it the right way. You're not coming from. I think everybody is trying to figure out how to get closer to the patient. And, and so to your point, getting closer to the patient means getting to their home. And how do we help take care of the patient at home versus a patient having to go to a hospital, or in some cases, traveling across states to get to the right hospital. And so I think there is a lot of focus and effort, and Cardinal Health is obviously doing a lot of work in this space of how do we bring health care to the home of the patient? Yep. I love it. So, Joel, I am going to summarize what we talked about. Then I want to get your final thoughts on the topic. So I'm talking to my friend, Joel Wayman, and we're talking about the biopharma supply chain. So we talked about who you guys work with, which is these mid-size or even smaller biopharma companies that are developing the first drug that's, and all of a sudden they've got to develop this whole fulfillment transportation <laughs> division that they didn't have. And that's where they partner with you guys. And when we're talking about this stuff, the bar is so much higher because of the nature of the product. You have to be ISO and TSA and just has to be more reliable. This is just, there, there can't be pickups in this supply chain. We talked about mitigating disruptions, especially the weather disruptions that are increasingly there, but also we have these longer supply chains that are so much easier to be impacted by not just one, but maybe dozens of different weather systems. And then last but not least, we talked about this, the idea of innovative solutions, which is might be related to cold chain, higher security, traceability, visibility, just all the stuff that you would expect that you would need when you're talking about biopharma. So enough of my blather, Joel, please give us your final thoughts on the topic. Yeah, no, I appreciate the time today, John. This is an exciting space to be in, right? It, it's exciting to be a part of healthcare. And again, we talk about it so much within our 3PL is that what we do impacts people's lives. And it's incredibly fulfilling to be able to go home every night knowing that you're making a difference in people's lives because of what you do. And it drives us in all that we do. And so 
I think working with the right 3PL partner that understands that, but also is working to develop innovative solutions and find ways to reduce the impacts in the supply chain is important. And so you know, I'm really proud of what uh, Cardinal Health 3PL has done over the last several years in developing innovative solutions to mitigate supply chain disruptions, but also to reduce kind of the complexity in the supply chain, to make it easier for our manufacturer partners to get product to the patient. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's, the, it's about the patient. And we want to make sure the patient is being taken care of. And so it, it's an exciting space to be in. It's exciting to watch the evolution of science in the space and how more and more unique products are coming to market that are meet, that are taking care of unmet needs today. And I'm excited to see where it's going to go in the next several years. Awesome. Awesome. So what I'll do, Joel, is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and I'll put a link to your website and any other links you and your marketing team give me. I'll put those in the show notes. so People can reach out and talk to you. What conferences will we see you and the Cardinal 3PL team at? No, you bet. So, Joe, we are often at the HGA conference or Assembia conference. We attend those every year. And so most of those conferences, we're going to see a lot of our biopharma manufacturer partners attending as well. Excellent. Excellent. I, I know. I, I know. I, I think I told you this before we hit record. I was at Manifest last year and I thought I saw somebody from Cardinal Health there. And I thought, okay, the world is changing because you wouldn't have seen a, like a, a, a healthcare company at a supply chain event. But that is just the nature of, I think everybody's recognizing the importance of supply chains. And again, none more important than the health supply chain or the biopharma supply chain in this case. Right. No, absolutely. And by the way, when we talk about reducing costs, when we talk about getting better care, it's uh, I think virtually every family is t- at some point talked about the expense of it or some challenge related to it. Better supply chains um, end up with better health results. So that's what we need here. No, nope, absolutely. Anyway, Joel, thank you so much for taking the time. You bet, Joel. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. It was great catching up with you today. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.